Yo, 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 yo. What's up, everybody? It's your boy here. That's right. This is the Class in Session podcast. I am your host, Logan Taylor, with my amazing co-host, my partner in crime, my brother, the phenomenal one, Mr. Dante Hampton. And we got a special guest for you all today. Dante. So when we talk about how things come back full circle, this, this right here is full circle. Um, just to give y'all a background, we, me and Logan did our first ever conference as far as pitching YB Normal with the services and everything we do as far as curriculums, empowerment, speaking, everything. Um, so we're up in Nashville. Like I said, everybody, we we're originally from Chattanooga, but we was up in Nashville. We drove up, had hotels, everything. And toward the end of the week, you know, we meet this lovely lady, um, Dr. Campbell. Um, and she just comes up to us and is like, hey, what you do? And so we tell her what we do. And after that, it's history. But just to get y'all the background on Miss, Miss, uh, Dr. Campbell, because she's a heavy hitter. When I mean heavy hitter, she's very heavy. Um, she's the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for Portsmouth Public Schools. She earned a PhD in curriculum and instruction with the emphasis on urban education educational leadership when i mean she's heavy like i haven't even got to the other stuff she's done um she's been an educator for over 15 years she's uh served as a teacher master teacher um adjunct professor school administrator um she literally researches in areas for like critical race theory culturally responsive classroom management process um she does a lot of uh, disciplinary practices for black girls, Inc. Um, her research has served on a springboard for like current workshops. Um, she even has an upcoming chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, upcoming cha chapter that will literally be in the book um, for minority women. Like Dr. Campbell, just it, it's so much stuff. I can't even I can't even keep up with everything. Just just please tell the people and our listeners around the world a little bit about yourself. Well, first, I want to say thank you so much again, Logan and Dante, for having me. This is such a humbling um, experience. Um, so as you guys mentioned, I am a passionate educator. Um, I am located in Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, you've probably never heard of our little teeny port city, but we are literally 20 minutes from Virginia Beach. Um, and what's so great about being an educator in Portsmouth Public Schools is that I'm a product of Portsmouth Public Schools. And so that's my full circle moment. Um, and so I have been a teacher. I'm a blurred, um, which is a black nerd. Um, I taught chemistry, biology, physics, AP biology, engineering, robotics, and STEM undergraduate courses at Old Dominion University, as well as adult learning theories adjunct, as Dante said, at James Madison University. Um, so I love education. I'm passionate about learning and I love to give back to all students. But in particular, my passion is with black girls and telling the narrative as a black woman, because oftentimes our story isn't told. Um, Malcolm X once said the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. And so now that God has given me the platform, he's given me seats at various tables, it's now time for me 
as a black woman to change the negative narrative of black women and black girls and just show how courageous, strong, the strength that we have and the amazing things that we are doing because black girls have magic and we rock. We're going to put the fire a little bit. <laughs> Just for our listeners out there, I, I told y'all this is gonna be heavy. I, I told y'all, like with this this particular so I told y'all we had somebody special. Had somebody special. Um, like I said, it was like when you meet somebody for the first time and we connect, like we we connected with Dr. Campbell. She even came back. Like we was like little kids waiting on her, like, Auntie, please come back. Tell us, tell us more. Like, please, like, tell us more. Like. So, like I said, once again, Dr. Campbell, we are thankful that you even are able to, we know you're a busy lady. We're just thankful that you're even able to come on our episode today. Um, Logan, get in here, man. Just, I'm excited right now. Just, just go and get in here. Listen, I'm so excited. Like, I listen, I talk to her day in and day out. And I, oh man, she is such a phenomenal woman and human being. Like, bro, the value that she brings to my life, bro, is it's up there with Mr. Thurkill. It's up there with, you know, Crystal Sorrells and Miss Sorrells. Like that, like the value that she brings, bro. Like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Like for, she is amazing. She is amazing. Um, So I just want to say first, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for coming on here. Thank you for um, having and me. I want to give you your flowers because oh, I know you. the stories and I know the things that we talk about and the things that we discuss. And so mm -hmm. I want to give you your flowers while you're still here. So I want to honor you in that and let thank me tell you. you thank you. Thank okay. you, I'm a crybaby. So thank you. I know. It's okay. <laughs> I know. It's okay. It's okay. All right. So let's get right into it. So um, what made you get into education? What was your why behind getting to education? Because your journey was very uncommon, right? The 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 way that you did it. I know that you're very intentional and strategic in the way that you do things. And so why did you get into education? Like what, what was it? So in a nutshell, it was at the time I did not want to take the MCAT. Right. So now let's go back in time. So when I was undergrad, shout out to Norfolk State University, behold, um, I was in the Denemus program at Norfolk State University and I was a biology pre-med major. My junior year, I did an internship at UVA Medical School, and we literally were in class from eight in the morning to five in the afternoon. We would eat dinner, and then we would go to the hospital on campus and shadow physicians and do rotations. Two weeks and a six-week intern, I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not, I'm not really interested. I'm not passionate. I'm over school. I'm sick of school. I'm just ready to graduate, right? That's, that's where my head was. So a couple of years later, when I got married, my ex-husband was military. And I remember my mom right behind me. She said, you need to take some education classes because no matter where you guys are stationed, wherever you go, you will always have a job. So I had all of these courses in biology and chemistry um, from Norfolk State. So they were able to transfer and uh, ended up at Old Dominion and I finished in a secondary education program. And it was at ODU going into schools, learning about curricula and learning theories that I realized, wow, you know, I'm really good at this and I like it and it's kind of fun. Um, and so 
that's how I stumbled into education. Um, and I'm going to be honest and transparent. My first two years, hate did it just like in living color, hated it. Um, because I was young, right? So I probably was like 25, 26, had a mouth on me, a little unprofessional. So I was that teacher, like you see on some YouTubes and um, TikToks. If you came for me, I came for your whole life. Like I would come for your jugular and would not even blink, right? But that's just where I was. So my kids learned we had fun, but we had to, you know, thin line with professionalism. So I will own up to that. And all the principals I had during that time, I apologize for any parent phone calls you may have received because I used to give the business to the kids. So then life goes on. I go into corporate America for a little bit. And then I become a divorced mom, right? And I have to think of, I, I can't work 70, 80 hours a week when I have a young kid. Um, so education is conducive. I happened to get a job in Portsmouth Public Schools. Um, at the high school I graduated from, teaching biology, and the rest is history. I went back mature, had a different purpose, as Logan said, was intentional. And every child that I taught, it was a reflection of me because I went to that school and I was one of the kids that sat in that seat. And so there's a researcher named Shane Safir who says he, he patented the word orientation, right? And basically that means everyone has a story and we've shared stories. And so as I grow in the woman that I am professionally, when I do trainers workshops across the nation, I do a 30 second story. So I'm this little black girl. I grew up in a low income neighborhood, single mom. She was married, but she was divorced. Um, my dad was on drugs the majority of my life. And like I told Logan, I'm a child of the eighties. So black men were criminalized for heroin and not thought of as an emotional or medical addiction like it is now, right? It's an opioid crisis now because the people who are most addicted don't look like us. But when they were our fathers and our mothers, they were criminalized. But that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> so, you know, I, I made good grades. I was a great student. 10th grade, had my first child, right? So you got this low income, this kid in this low income neighborhood, black girl, single parent home, drug addicted father, and now I'm a teen mom. And so I check every box for every statistic of what should have been given up on, right? And I had great teachers at IC Norcom High School that poured into me. I had a village, my mom, my auntie, my, my grandma, my family. I had a village that poured into me and instilled in me that my circumstances did not determine my future. My zip code did not determine my future. And then I was awarded a full ride to Norfolk State um, in the Denimus program, and the rest is history, right? So those experiences built self-efficacy in me, and that's what I pour into my students because I know what it's like to have a dad you're ashamed of, right? I know what it's like to come to work and you have to wear a mask or you come to school in a mask and you're 14, 15 years old. Those are things that we don't really think that young people go through, but they do. And because they're young and they're not all the way developed, they don't know how to process and they don't know how to communicate their feelings, right? And so I'm aware of that um, when I'm in the classroom, when I was an assistant principal, principal, and now central office admin. 
I'm just always cognizant of the home lives and the lived experiences of students. And I'm passionate about what I do. I love kids. You can't be in this business if you don't love kids. It's not about the money because I will never be rich. Um, never, right? I'll never be rich. And I'm rich in the love that I get from my students. I'm rich when I go to a restaurant on a Friday, Saturday night, and a basketball game is on, and the Mavericks are playing, and I'm looking at number 10, Dorian Dodo Finney-Smith, and I remember him sitting in my biology class when he was in the 10th grade, right? I remember teaching him, and I remember science projects that he did, and how amazing he was, and how his mom, Ms. Des, was at every game and rooted for him, and I never, he was never a discipline problem. He was a really smart and bright young man. And when he comes back to Portsmouth and he gives back, he remembers I was his biology teacher. And Dr. Linwood Joyner, who's a physician in our area now, he was in my AP bio class. And students that I've taught who've gone on and they're doing, you know, Dorian, we're looking at a million dollar contract, right? Something I could never even imagine in my lifetime. But that's what being a teacher is about. He stands on my shoulders. And all the accolades and the glory that he gets and is so well-deserved, I'm able to sit back and say, wow, I was, a, I was a part of his life. I was a part of his journey. And that, to me, is priceless. That's priceless. So that's the passion. That's how I kind of got into this. I love what I do. It's not always rainbow sunshine all the time. You know, we go through some stuff. But my mom was a teacher behind me. Um, my daughter now is a first-year teacher, so third generation. Um, so, you know, we're just continuing, and I think representation is key. Our kids need to see us. They need to see us educated in professional ways, not like what you see on um, reality TV. You know, all Black women do act, not act like some of the housewives you see or loving hip-hop and different things like that. We can make money other than being married into it or from music, we can use our brains and our intellect. And not saying that musicians and artists and entertainers aren't intelligent because they are, because they mastered the game to get to where they are. So I would never negate that. But there are other avenues that you don't have to be a rapper. You don't have to be the city girls. You don't have to be the trap house king in your neighborhood, right? And you don't necessarily have to go to college. You could go into the military and be an amazing career. You can work in industry, manufacturing. Here we have, um, we live on water, so everything is marine here, like shipyards and things like that. There are so many opportunities that young people have that it doesn't have to be a rapper, a football player, a basketball player. You can use your mind. You can use your brain. You can use your God-given talents, the things that you love to become more than you could even imagine. And that's the power of education. And that's why I love what I do. I love it. I told y'all. Listen, right? I told. I told y'all. I told y'all. Listen, we had put the fire down. She was like, "Nope, add more gasoline to it." Listen, <laughs> bro. I am telling y'all. Listen to me, man. This woman is so powerful, guys. Listen to it. so powerful and so knowledgeable and so giving. Right? She is so 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 giving. Oh man, this is amazing. I love this. Oh my god. Come on, Dante. Come on, come on, come on. I'm I'm just in awe right now, but um 
I don't really know what to say after that. But honestly, um, not, now that you have um, not necessarily educated anymore, you're more so on the higher scale of things. Um, what's what's a common myth or perception about um, teachers, educators, administrators that's that's false? You know, or that's a false perception out there that pe people think is, hey, you know, a teacher might be this or hey, you know, teachers have all the best schedule in the world. Is there a myth out there that you still get or still hear that grinds your gears or anything like that? Yes, it, it really does. Um, I can recall years ago, haven't heard it, but I'm not really in those environments anymore. Um, and there was a saying that people always said, those who can do, do, and those who can't teach, right? And as I've grown in this profession, this lifestyle, because it really is a lifestyle, how egregious is that statement, right? Every person on the planet in every career that you think is phenomenal, you look at Elon Musk, you look at Bill Gates, you look at Jay-Z, you look at, um, I mean, young people at NASA, um, Katherine Johnson, right? We're going to take it back in time. People that you emulate, you idolize, they got to where they are because of a teacher, right? And so Dorian Finney-Smith did not become the stellar basketball player had it not been for Leon Goosby, a high school basketball coach. And he wasn't his only coach. He had AAU coaches and other coaches. But Leon Goosby was a basketball coach that poured into him as well as a mathematics teacher, right? He had a teacher named Miss Skinner who was his mathematics teacher. I told him biology and all the other classes that he had. And so there was some teacher that impacted him to get him through high school, right? To give him the efficacy in himself to want to go to Virginia Tech, to want to go to Florida, that he excelled in their classes to academically be able to go to those universities, right? We know he had the skill, but the teachers and his mom helped him with the will. And so now we see him on the courts on the weekends and we look up to him and we wanna be a basketball player, but look at the coaches who are teachers who taught him how to be a player. Look at the coaches he had at Tech in Florida. They were professors who are teachers that helped him to get along that journey. I think teachers like black women, we are really disrespected. Um, and, and it goes back to being a woman, right? Because there's some intersectionality of the disrespect. You know, one big complaint you hear nationwide is that teachers don't make enough money. We don't get paid for what we do and what we go through. That is straight up facts, right? It's facts, but teachers are going to be pissed off with me because I'm going to break the numbers down in a minute. I think one reason teachers don't make what they deserve is because when you look at the history of education and you break down the numbers, what gender comprises the majority of teachers in our workforce is women. And we live in a society that does not honor or respect women. We have white men who are at the top. And we live in this hegemonic society based on a white male dominant norm that predicates culture and traditions that we should execute and their values, right? And so the majority of educators are women. You go into a school, the majority of the teachers are going to be women. 
And look at as you move higher and higher principals, central office leaders, superintendent, then the genders change. Then you start seeing more men. So think about that when you go into schools. When you look at the top, you're going to see men. But when you look at who are in the trenches, the majority are women. And we do have women superintendents and principals. But when I go to superintendents conferences, I'm usually surrounded by men, right? And so I think because of that white dominant male control, that norm, that's why value isn't also always in education, right? The educators you respect oftentimes are professors. And when you look at professors, oftentimes they are men, right? Because men are going to higher ed. We do have women, but when you look at professors, oftentimes they're men. And it's obvious, look at our political climate right now, how Roe versus Wade was overturned. How can men tell me what to do with my body? Because they have no respect for us, no respect. And for women who agree, I mean, what is going on with you? Like you're a whole woman and you think it's okay for someone to tell you what to do with your body? Like I have a problem with that. And maybe you need some self-worth. You need Logan to come while be normal. Logan and Dante, you need some self, some social emotional help because what's going on that you don't see value in yourself, right? And so I think to answer the questions, one, because education is a woman dominated business, we aren't valued. Like we're not valued in our system. We already know the disparities with income between men and women, black and white, people of color and white, right? So we are not valued in education. Um, teachers endure so much and we throw millions of dollars into students, right? We social emotional support, Title I, special ed, English language learners. Um, we have McKinney Vento for our homeless students, displaced students, extracurricular activities, 21st century grants, COVID money coming out. We do all of this for kids and they deserve it because they are our future. But what about the adults? Adults suffered trauma during COVID, right? We go into school shootings, um, Texas, and we look at the 19 babies that perished. But what about all the teachers that protected the other hundreds of kids and the other teachers who shielded those kids and got them out of back doors and the two teachers who perished and lost their lives when they had their own biological children at home because they're caring for other people's kids, right? And we don't value that. Did they get a raise? Maybe they did. But when they look at their paycheck and they're buying great value because you can't afford bird's eye or jolly green giant, right? You, you putting ground beef in your basket in that state, you got to wait for income tax return or for you to get your summer bonus. How fair is that when you've gone to college and you've incurred more student loan debt than your salary, you're more educated than millionaires that you see. Teachers go through more training than many professions. We have to recertify every five to 10 years, depending on where you um, teach to keep your license. There's so many regulations for us to keep our license but yet we don't get paid our work. Doctors make six figures because what do doctors do? They save lives. We save lives. We take temperatures every day when we spot check and have morning meetings to see how your home life was and what trauma you bring into your classroom. We check vitals. We check heartbeats every day. We're making sure you're living. We're giving you tools 
to survive and thrive. We save lives just like doctors. We save lives. Educators save lives. And we should be valued just like doctors. We're just like lawyers. We listen to debates. We give you judgment. We give you a fair chance. We let you know the real world, how life is going to be. We're, we're like lawyers and doctors. We're engineers. We construct. We build. We create. But yet, are we valued as such careers? So, no, teachers are not respected. We don't, we don't earn what we deserve. Um, when I go out now and people say, you know, are you a first responder? We get first responder discounts. Hell yeah, I'm an educator. I'm a first responder. We have school shootings. We have students that bring trauma, throw deaths, cuss you out. Uh-huh, yes, I am a first responder. I want that 10%. We need it, right? Um, and so teachers are not respected. Um, I don't think they're valued. When you go to university commencement exercises, it's so disheartening to see the lack of students going into education. People don't want to be teachers. You rarely hear a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, I want to be a teacher. When you talk to most teachers, including myself, we ended up in education by happenstance, right? We ended up in, in education by happenstance. And so how do we change that narrative where students want to become teachers? It, it is going to be with changing the pay. Why would I teach biology when I can go work at a shipyard and make twice of what I would make starting out as a teacher? I could. Why would I go and teach physics when I can work in cybersecurity starting off at $80,000, right? So we, we put money into what we value. And our incomes and our salaries show us how America values what we do. She yeah. said we put money into value. Man, we put money into value. So whatever it is that we value, that's where we put the most money at. And it shows mm -hmm. that we don't value education. We don't value our teachers. We don't value women. So listen, you talking so spicy right now. Woo! <laughs> I was over here. I was like, bro, she dropping bars. Do you hear me? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That just, oh, that motivates me. So uh, I love it. All right. So that's a great point of view. And so I'm going to have Dante give you this hot seat question because <laughs> that actually goes hand in hand to what he's going to ask you. And so it's funny that you said that. So I'm gonna let Dante do this question real quick, and okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna circle the block again because okay. this this goes right in. This is perfect, a perfect segment to uh, ask you this question. Okay. All right. F first off, we we might need to just you know change the whole name of the podcast, the Dr. Campbell podcast. That's, that we <laughs> just we might need to do that. I, I, right, listen, it's so the much ways of the ways of JPC. <laughs> yeah, we. We, we might need to change it. Um, just to go back, I just want to highlight some things that she did say that because we have a variety of people that come on the podcast from educators to superintendents, counselors, mentors, behavior specialists. Um, I just want to highlight one thing that I haven't never heard on here was that, you know, the majority of women are educators and that they are in the trenches. Uh, I think that that is a very unique perspective. We haven't heard that before. Um, and we also haven't heard the perspective as far as a kid wanting to be an educator. Nobody's ever brought that up. So um, I really liked that perspective. Um, but since you said there's no value, you know, so is there a number that teachers 
could make to where you say, okay, starting out here, here's the number, here's the value that will make it uniform or that will make it okay to where, or that'll make it appealing for somebody that wants to be in education. Like you say, you can go to the shipyard and make twice as much instead of being an educator. Is there a number for anybody? I think it should be numbers and incentives, right? Okay, so I'm gonna give you an example. My best friends, and I'm gonna shout her out, hey, chocolate. My best friend's husband is an engineer, right? He's brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, we talk about jobs and things like that. And so he will go on an interview and the company that is interested in him will fly him to them, pay for rental cars, pay for hotels, pay for lodging, food, when he gets the job, because 10 times out of 10, he gets it because Tim is very brilliant. Relocation expenses for him, his wife, my godchildren. Um, they put them up in corporate housing until they get settled. And they may get different allowances depending on where they are. And they have traveled internationally because he's that much, he's that awesome. Black engineers rock, right? And you think about education and you're coming right out of college or if you're a career switcher and you may have student loan debt, right? And you go into teaching and, you know, you might make $1,200, $1,500 every two weeks and you got a five, $600 student loan bill for the month. How does that balance out? And you're paying $1,500, $1,700 rent or a mortgage, car payment, car insurance. You know, so when you add up the cost of living, how is the pay of educators evolving with the cost of living, right? It takes city government, state government, government, federal government, they allocate budgets to public schools. And oftentimes when things are on a chopping block, we're on the chopping block for what gets cut when we look at different cuts. And so I, I, I don't have a monetary number um, because you gotta look at, you know, should a first year teacher make what a 20 year teacher make? No. But you know what's crazy? In a lot of school divisions, a first-year teacher with no master's degree, no experience, makes more than a 10, 11, 12-year veteran teacher. Crazy, right? Wow. Because we get paid on steps, right? So this school year will be a 22-23 school pay scale. And then you have different steps. Depending on your school division, if you began teaching in 1988, you may be on a 1988 pay scale. Now you get the 5% or whatever percent raises every year, but that's 5% on that 1988 pay scale. So when I began teaching in 2002, my starting salary was $31,000, right? And 24, I was what, 23? That was like a lot of money at 23. Now, my daughter is starting teaching, 21 years old. Her starting salary is $48,000. And I know teachers who have been teaching for nine, 10 years, they just got at $50,000. So you're, you've been teaching 10, 11 years. Hey, you even taught my daughter. And there's like not even a $5,000 difference between the two of you. 
And keep in mind, because of COVID, my baby is going to get a sign-on bonus because they need teachers so bad, right? And so yeah. in addition to you starting off at $47,000, you're getting a $5,000, $2,500 bonus. And so some divisions have seen the need for teachers. Every I'm telling you, I could bet the lotto on this. You could go to any school division right now, and they need at least 20, 25 teachers. Everybody needs teachers right now. Every school, every principal that I know, I'm on Facebook. Please come to my school. We need teachers, right? But why? Why would well, you don't make money? Why would I come and do this and deal with disrespectful parents and kids and paperwork and not feeling valued? And I could go make money elsewhere, right? And so I think the value, it is monetary because you have to live, right? And so we have to pay teachers to live. And I do want to um, clear up one big myth that people have about teachers. Teachers do not get paid during the summer. Okay? Flashing news. Talk about it. Talk about it. Summer. Teachers get paid for 10 months of work. So what happens is we have like an escrow account. So every paycheck you really might make $2,000, but you bring home 1500 because 500 goes into your escrow so you can get paid during the summer and during the holidays. So that is a big myth. Teachers get paid during the summer. Teachers get paid when they don't even work. No, our contracts are for, depending on your division, 192 days. So then this is where teachers get mad at me. If you look at your salary for 192 days, and if we really did work 12 months a year, teachers really would make 80, 90, 100,000. Like we really would, but we only work 192 days a year, right? So if you, you were to do the math and break it down and then calculate what it would be for 12 months, teachers would make a little bit more, but teachers get paid for 10 months of work. Whatever your contract is when students are in school, that's how teachers get paid, right? So um that's something to think about and the disparities like you know teachers in dc they make they make really good money right as opposed to teachers down south so it, it just depends on the cost of living of where you are it depends on your school board i can honestly say in portland public schools um our school board um chair his name is dr cardell patillo our vice chair um lakeisha clue atkinson when i tell you they are some advocates ride or die for teachers and then i have to shout out my superintendent dr eli bracy the third he is on the front lines with us he does not sit in the ivory tower he listens like i've never worked for a superintendent that i could literally email him and say dr bracy i really need to come talk to you and i speak to his secretary and she sets a meeting within days that I can go to his office, close the door and vent and tell him I'm frustrated. I need this. We need to be support. And he listens. He listens to the students. Like I've never met, I've never met a superintendent like him ever. And he works so well with our school board chair because superintendents are governed by the school board, right? And you, they got to work together. It's got to be a marriage and Portsmouth is just blessed because yep. our school board works so well with our superintendent and his cabinet. And so a lot of 
out-of-the-box things that our superintendent wants, our school board gets. When he sees teachers are tired and teachers need raises, he fights to get us raises. And our school board fights to find the funding and fights to look at how they can get us money. And we've been getting raises since I've been back in Portsmouth because they fight for us. They value us. I really do believe our school board and my superintendent truly values us. Um, and that's the difference, right? And so you've got to have people in power, people in positions to value. So biggest myth that um, we get paid during the summer, we don't. Um, that people don't value teachers, they don't. Those who do, do. Those who can't teach, biggest lie, because it takes a teacher to do everything else, right? So I think we need incentives. Teachers need to get discounts. Like for, we are first responders. Let us get that 10% first responders discount. Teachers need to get Joe Biden. We're talking about loan forgiveness. Teachers should get their loans forgiven. Like we, ha we have to have a degree to do our jobs, right? Some of us have to get part-time jobs to pay back student loans. We're in student loan debt because we have to go back and take courses we have to get master's degrees to do certain things. We should get loan forgiveness. We should get tuition reimbursement. You're working, trying to make ends meet, and now you're incurring four to $50,000 debt to go back to graduate school to get the credentials you need to further move in a career for a $2,500 stipend for having your master's, and it costs $40,000 to get. Like, does that make sense? No. You, so you that's what we need. That's what we need. We need incentives. We need bonuses. It's more than dangling a dollar bill. I need to be supported. I'm getting cussed out by a parent and you're allowing it to happen. Where's the support for me? What, you know, we have teacher assistance, but what about my social emotional health? What about my mental health? Well, you know, we should get free therapy and we do for certain sessions, but there should be discounts. You know, perfect example, a lot of healthcare um educator healthcare plans do not pay for weight loss surgery right i just recently had weight loss surgery um in december right so lost over 100 pounds but when i look back to when i was 250 some pounds that was my job leaving work burnt out going to popeyes getting five wings and a biscuit eating them before i even got home and then we'll come home and cook dinner because that was the appetizer right that was coming home ready for my frozen cocktail, right? My frozen <laughs> relief, my liquid courage. And that that put on weight. And I'm so stressed. I'm so tired. I don't want to exercise. I just want to calm, binge watch TV, right? Those were stress. And for me, I've, I just stressed. I was a stress eater. But then when I'm looking at weight loss surgery, a lot of educator plans don't cover weight loss surgery, right? So I had to pay out my pocket to have weight loss surgery, which like how fair is that? And I have friends that work in other places and all of us are seeing that our insurance doesn't cover weight loss and the weight loss is attributed to the stress of our jobs for most of us, right? So we need, um, we have great benefits, not gonna knock the benefits, but we need where 401ks, you match our retirement plans. We need discount on housing, maybe, like um, FHA loans or first-time homeowner loans, teachers get loans. And they do have teacher next-door programs. But I don't want to live in the neighborhood of the students I teach. I need a break, right? <laughs> if I teach in a low-income neighborhood, I don't want to live in a low-income neighborhood. I grew up in that, right? I want to move out of that. 
So we should get discounts on loans. We should have special loans for educators um, that we pay little to no interest on the loan, right? In whatever neighborhood we choose to live in. Discounts on cars. I mean, we just need incentives. We need incentives. It's more than just a dollar bill. Let us get master degrees for free. Help us to pay for when we have, we have to pay to recertify. Help us to pay for that. We pay $150 for a practice exam with high scores that people take more than one time, right? Help us. You pass the practice, we reimburse you for the $150 test you just took, right? So incentives, um, I think that's that's hot seat. That's what we need. We need incentives. We need corporations to partner with school divisions. You have to dress professionally. Macy's, give money to the schools. All new teachers get a $500 gift card to Macy's so they can buy professional clothes. Clothes cost money. You want us to dress this way, but to dress this way, I can't go to Old Navy and buy suits that you want me to be in or shoes that you expect me to wear, right? I'm at Nordstrom's, I'm at Macy's, I'm at Ross, I'm at TJ Maxx, I love TJ Maxx. So give us gift cards to buy clothes, first year teachers. So those are things that we have to be creative and forge partnerships to help us to do. I love it. I love it. It's so fun. Listen. I promise you, you. We said that we 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 said that on this podcast. Probably, I think it was. We got to go back a few episodes, but we said that, and that's what me and Logan talk about as far as essentials and what educators need is. Everybody needs to have a housing program and an automobile program. If you don't have nothing else, regardless of what you pay, like Logan, a little scale up there. He's saying educators need a hundred k, you know. But that's a whole nother conversation. You know, he's a no, he's a little different. So that's what he said. He says. 100k but as far as incentives um that's what me and logan harp on is the housing especially with the market right now mm-hmm. and cars we really think that but i did i really like the loan forgiveness for educators we've never heard that one so this is another episode guys like i said mm-hmm. for all the listeners out there around the world we told you she was heavy but this is something we've never heard loan forgiveness first time teachers and for educators, which is very vital for everybody. And I do want to say now there are um, teacher forgiveness programs, right? So I was blessed. I got like $18,000 forgiven, but they're caveats, right? So you have to teach at a title one school. Um, You have to teach like a hard to staff. So I was a science teacher. So that qualified for me, Um, sometimes like English language learners, foreign language courses. So hard to staff. Um, content you teach or Title I school, but there are teachers who do not teach at Title I schools, who may teach English, who may teach a subject that is not hard to staff, but they still deserve loan forgiveness. So make it across the board if you are. Then let me tell you something else. So we see this a lot. We will see white teachers in colored spaces, right? So you, you see white teachers and they go to these high poverty schools, Title I schools that help our kids. And as soon as they meet that five-year requirement for loan forgiveness, they are in a suburb. They're gone. They're going to teach the kids they really want to teach. So they come into our schools. They do their five years to get that loan forgiveness, three to five years, and they're out, right? And are they really there because they're passionate? Some are, but some are not. And what is the the overall effect that that has on our students, right? Especially our students of color. And so there are loan forgiveness programs. So 
No, I don't want anybody to email and say they're all on forgiveness programs. Yes, they are, but they're not for all, they're not inclusive of all teachers. So we need loan forgiveness programs that are for every single person who teaches. And there may be a, a stipulation, you know, if you teach three years, then we will pay back 30% of your loan, right? You teach another three years, and that's 60%, you know. So of course quid pro quo, right? You don't teach one year and we pay back all of your loans because that wouldn't help anybody. But there should be some type of incentive, some type of loan forgiveness where you help teachers. I mean, and I, I love what you said about housing. I know teachers who have had cars repossessed, teachers who don't have cars, teachers who would need a jump in the parking lot. You got to get to work, right? Teachers on public transportation, I know teachers live in apartments, teachers in foreclosure, teachers living with parents, teachers with roommates, teachers working part-time jobs just to live and survive to make ends meet. So we got to find value and we got to incentivize what we do. Logan, get, get on in here, man. I, I, you already know what I'm going to say. You already know. Y'all Y'all are, I ain't got to say nothing. Y'all speaking for me. I ain't got to say nothing at all. Y'all speaking for me because... I believe I so Dr. Campbell, here's what here's what I think the bottom, the base that they should start a teacher out is. I think they should start a teacher out at 80K. Mm -hmm. I think that that should be the base. And the reason why is because, like you said, the housing, you got to pay the the loan back. Right. You have to you know, if you don't have a vehicle, things of that nature. So I feel that that is a comfortable um i i feel like that's a comfortable number to to have a to have a first year teacher at and then build from there right and of course if you got a teacher that's been teaching 20 years 30 years and of course their number is going to be higher mm -hmm. right but it's just like like you said like you if if a teacher that taught in 1988 and whatever that base pay was that you start out you get five percent from that right your daughter, her, she's a first year educator and she's starting out at 48,000. And you said there's teachers that have been teaching for quite some time that have just gotten to that, 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 that level. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm like, yo, like this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't fair because y'all do so much, mm -hmm. right? Y'all only get paid. Y'all only get paid 37 and a half, 40 hours a week. Yeah. And but, what you do, days. but what you do is 50 to 60, sometimes 70 hours in a week. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell me that you're going to tell me for somebody that is so valuable to people's futures, you're going to sit around and tell me that you can't pay them for overtime. You can only pay them for, for that with those hours. Like, mm -hmm. no, that's not fair. And that's not, I don't think that that's right. Or what if you have a teach a first year teacher and she has kids, right? Well, she has to have a house. Why can't she get a discount on a house? She has to have a vehicle. Why can't she get a discount on a vehicle so that that way she can get her kids and do her job effectively? Mm -hmm. So I just think that you know, hey, start them out at eighty k, move up from there. Like we, you know, we say, oh, there's no money. Man, we can print the money off. That's not the problem. That, that's not the problem. It's not the money. The money is not the problem. We got plenty of millionaires and billionaires and 
all of this type of stuff trillion we got a person that's getting ready to be a trillionaire like that's not it, it that's not the problem the problem is is that we don't value it enough mm -hmm. that's the real problem and so i feel that me and dante had this conversation and we talk about this stuff so much i feel that hey 80k needs to be the base and you need to go up from there yeah and it's going to look at tax reform because public educators our money comes from city taxes and city assessments right and so you know in a lot of low-income neighborhoods or low-income school divisions you may not have a large tax base so when you look at pupil per spending you know if you live in a high poverty city compared to a suburban area you know taxes are a little less right and so we've got to be creative and think about how and we do get supplements from government entities but how we can go out and procure funds because i'm telling you logan if and, and of course now if you live new york la you Atlanta, you might have to start a little high your hundred thousand dc cost of living is so like astronomical in those places but 80 grand right guess how many people would be in college majoring in education for eight you know at 21 i'm gonna start at eighty thousand, and you're gonna start paying back some of my student loans and i get a 15 percent discount on the car and i could buy a house with zero to three percent interest rate on my loan right and all i gotta do is teach for five years I could, i'm still figuring myself out in five years and I'm going to get support. I'm going to get free membership to a gym. I'm going to get, um, if I need to go get counseling, therapy, whatever, I'm going to get support in that. Then how, yes, yep, I think pe more people would come into the profession. Because what I say, you value what you pay for. 80 grand, that show, when I look at my paycheck, I'm like, okay, this is looking real cute. I'm going to feel some value, right? That makes me feel valued. But when I'm looking at my check and my check is already spent before it gets direct deposit into my account, I don't feel I'm, I'm stressed. I'm just stressed. It makes me want to holler, throw up both my hands. This ain't living. That's Marvin Gaye. That's gospel. I love it. I love it. And I also think that, you know, if there's if you can do that now, we start to dwindle down educator burnout right we start to dwindle down the the gaps that you're having with like you said every state or every school district is needing teachers mm -hmm. well now if we have these incentives and these programs for educators right and we're starting them at a base pay of 80k now you're not having those issues and I think that, you know, if if there's a way that, you know, something like that could happen, then I think that, hey, OK, now we can move in the right direction. Now we're showing people how much value they mean to us in the education mm -hmm. space, which trickles down to the, the, the babies, which, you know what I'm saying? Because now you'll have teachers that are like, oh, I'm getting paid 80K. OK, I'm going to make sure that I do my best to make sure that he's set up for success. Yep. You know, my daughter taught me something. Um, it was a couple of years ago. I, we were somewhere, maybe at a restaurant or somewhere. And I got so frustrated with the server. 
And uh, my daughter said, mommy, always remember people will act their wage. And so that makes me think about, you're absolutely right. If I, you know, I want to teach, I love kids. I know I'm not in it for the money, but I come to work with disrespectful kids and no discipline is going on. You send them out, they send them right back, right? Nobody's giving me the training, the support I need. We can't find the money to bring Wabi Normal to our school division when they have the perfect plan to help our kids, especially kids of color, but we don't want to pay them to come in and help us, right? And this is something that we need. And so I'm dealing with all of this stuff from kids. I, I got to keep up with the curriculum. You run me to death about test scores. I got to keep up with IEPs, 504s, calling parents, um, all the paperwork, all the administrative things I have to do. I got 30 kids, four languages being spoken in my class and disrespect over here. Mama caught, look, I'm calling mama, um, Dante not doing homework, Dante sleeping in class, never hear from you. The one day I take your cell phone because you can't concentrate, you on TikTok, mama cussing me out that I took your cell she at school to get your cell phone because you got the new Galaxy 22. But I couldn't get you to come to a parent-teacher conference. I couldn't come to get you to see him acting like a pure fool disrupting my whole class. But you can come up here for that, right? You can come up here, well, what is the teacher doing? Well, what is your kid doing? I thought COVID was going to change that narrative for people being home with their kids for that year, but it didn't. It did not. Nope, not at all. It did not. So imagine 30 of them in a the room, right? So it's just overwhelming. And I think administrators, they deal with teachers and kids and senior leaders. And then you have senior leaders, they deal with politics, community, government. It's a lot. Superintendents, I'm like, Lord have mercy. They need to make a million dollars because they deal with a lot superintendents. And so I just think educators from the bus driver cafeteria worker, their educators too, to superintendents need to be supported, need to be valued, need to be incentivized, right? We we just need to be, we need to be supported. It's more than a dollar. It's feeling worth for what we do. It's getting flowers while we're still here. Um, we, take, we talk about people who may not be the best in the classroom, but are we building capacity in them, coaching mm -hmm. and modeling for them? Now, if they're, they're not after coaching, then, yeah, we got to move them out. But we have a lot of teachers who burn out because they're not getting the, the capacity support that they need. They want to do it. I want to sing. I want to be Beyonce. But I got one eight count, and, honey, I'm sweating about to fall out, right? I cannot be Beyonce knows, right? But I may want to be, but maybe I get a good choreographer who teaches me and believes in me and gives me some moves. And I think we need that in education too, right? We need development. We need coaching. We need capacity building. And if we're doing the same thing we've always done, we're going to get the same results. Absolutely. And take people on the outside because it's a different point of view. If, you know, I'm going to pub, why be normal? If we have a successful company that is credible, that is competent, and that has impact, that is proven, why would we not? Right now, we are looking at disproportionate discipline data of Black boys across the nation, right? 
It's everywhere. Black boys are three to four times more likely to be suspended than their white counterparts. Black girls, five to six times. They're even more likely, right? Why would we not get two young black men to come into our school division to help us to see where those opportunity gaps exist, right? Why wouldn't we get YB Normal to come into our schools? Why wouldn't we pour into, we always talk about working with community and community engagement. I, I just don't understand. So we have companies out. We have nonprofits who want to work with school divisions. The money that we may not have to build our teachers to do this because they're inundated, why not get companies like YB Normal to come in and give us the support that we need? I just It just seems like an easy fix to me, but hey, I don't make the rules. I stay in my lane. But whenever I get a seat at that table, for whosever division God allows me to be in, trust and believe. And I want you to know those that was a set of twins in Richmond. Trust and believe. I'm just saying they were twins. But trust and believe. If I get a seat at the table and that can bring YB Normal to whatever division I'm in, you guys are going to be on the first plane flying out of Tennessee to come to wherever God orders my steps to be because it's so much impact that you, you two do. Your stories are remarkable. Um, what you do with children, how you build up educators, the perspective that we cannot get from a teacher education program. We cannot get from a school-derived professional development experience. That is what I love so much about you, what I love about your company, and what impact and greatness I see in you. And I just, it needs to be in every school. It needs to be a part of all curriculum, right? So it's going to be there because I, I believe in you guys. I see the need. That's how we're going to change the game of education when we become more collaborative. More collaborative. That's how we're going to change the game. I love it. I love it. All right. Thank so we got two more questions. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank questions. you. Also, thank you, though. Um, really, We really appreciate you shouting us out on our podcast. Um, but I do want to say one thing also with that incentives. I think also that's going to create the talent pool. You know how everybody has a talent pool for whether it be sports, you know, engineers, whatever, you know, you're yeah. going like uh, I work in logistics, you know, right now and they're trying to pump everybody into logistics, all these young people. I think if you raise that bar because in logistics right now, they're raising it. So you're starting out, you know, you might not know nothing about trucking. They're trying to raise the starting salaries to compete with your bankers and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I think if you did that, you would create a huge talent pool and you'll be able to weed out people who don't who don't want to educate exactly. you know so it's like i i could pay you a lot but i don't want to deal with all that so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm not even gonna educate at all that's it that's ding 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 because right now we are we are needing teachers so bad you just need a degree i mean that's the reality right now right now you just need a, you just need a degree so i agree dante you just like we need to send you to congress because that's it. Because if you everybody can't be a doctor, right? Because everybody can't pass the board. And if you're going to be a neurosurgeon in my hospital, I want the best of the best because, you know, I don't want people brain dead in a coma, whatever, right? And so I think, yes, you're paying people 80000 
instead of having five people at a job fair that line is going to be around the block and then you can be highly selective you can be an american idol um selecting people to come right so i that that's it because now exactly. you're larger pool and you can select the best of the best to give our babies the best of the best that they deserve yep yep y'all make my heart so full oh man y'all make my heart so full y'all listen <laughs> y'all are over here dropping gems and i'm over here just cheesing you know I mean? i'm so i'm just cheesing like a cheshire cat i'm just over here just cheesing like just big grin i'm smiling every i love this oh i love this y'all have added so much value Oh man, I love it. Just the stuff that you said, Dr. Campbell. Then Dante, like, hey, let me add these little sprinkles on here real quick. Like, just everything that y'all saying. And so, thank you, thank you for you know um, connecting with us. Thank you for the opportunities. Thank you for advocating for us. Thank you for being a voice. Like, we really, really appreciate it. Um, and so, you know, it's people like you. It's people like LaFrederick Thurkill. It's people like Crystal Sorrells. It's people like Dr. Desiree C that, you know, they believed in us and they seen the value. And was like, hey, Logan, I need you to come and bring your program to our school. And with them doing that and them seeing, you know, the value that we add and them believing in us, it was just like, it caught like wildfire to everybody else. And so, you know, for them to, you know, pour into us and give us the game and allow us the opportunities that they've had, it's been it's been an amazing experience um, and an amazing journey. And, you know, being able to have Dante with me and him being along for the journey, going through the ups and the downs with me and seeing when, you know, I was at some of my darkest points with trying to grow YB normal and going through a divorce and going through COVID and going through a car accident and, you know, all of those different things and him just being right there with me, like, Hey bro, I'm not going nowhere. I'm with you to the wheels fall off has meant the world to me, you know? And so, you know, people like him, people like you and, you know, other people that we've encountered along our journey with growing our company has been amazing. So, you know, I want to give y'all y'all's flowers. <laughs> so you. I really appreciate y'all. Um, all right, so two more questions because I know you got to get up out of here, and I know Dante got to get up out of here because he got to go wash cars. He ain't do his uh husband duties, so he hey, hey don't don't be don't be Aaron, don't be Aaron. Don't, stuff put out like that. Like that. don't put him out there like that, please. Don't please. Don't. <laughs> all right, all right, two more questions. All right, all right, so hey, before you do that though, make sure three things they got to do like, share, oh, yeah, I forgot. we got to pay some bills. I forgot, listen, man, we've been going, listen, this conversation's been going on, so we got to pay some bills real quick. So, one second. One second, Auntie. We got to pay some bills. All right, listen, guys. This is the class in session podcast. All right. I need you all to like, subscribe, and comment. All right. I'm going to say it one more time in case y'all just missed and try to figure out what I'm talking about. I need you to like, subscribe, and comment. All right. And listen, guys, if you think that we're adding value, share it with your network, share it with your people and leave us a review your feedback your reviews mean the world to us because that's how we can get better and so we're not able to get better if you don't help us all right so again make sure you like subscribe and review all right dante go ahead ask your question all right so we we get to the end of this uh what advice would you give so there's three 
since you know you done done it all. So we need advice. What advice will you give a teacher, um, a first year educator, and an administrator? What advice could you give them for someone who's trying to be a first year teacher, someone who's trying to expand in the education field, whether they want to go from a teacher to a dean of students, and for somebody who's probably already there at a AP assistant principal principal and might be trying to go to like central office or something like that. Okay, so I'm gonna start at the top and come on down the, the pyramid, right? So for an administrator, the first thing I will have to say is you have to realize it is so lonely at the top. And there are certain lines you cannot cross, right? And if you are, your goal is to continue to grow and continue to grow, you're gonna learn, you're gonna lose a lot of friends. Um, you're going to have a lot of haters. You know, how did she get there? How did he get there? He's only been doing this this long. But you don't see the work behind closed doors, the late night stand up, there are extra degrees. And, you know, you don't see the development that you put into yourself, right? And so I say for administrators who are goal-oriented to continue to go up, continue your education, get their PhD, um, because... 1% of all PhDs are people of color, and we need to increase that number. So I'm always going to advocate for a PhD. Um, get your PhD. I'm shouting out SREB, Southern Regional Educational Board. I was a doctoral fellow. I earned my PhD for free. Um, so if you want to know more information, like, share, comment, and comment about what's SREB, and I'll send you some information. Um, SRB.org, full funding, five years. So shout out Dr. Abraham in Atlanta and SREB. But you have to situate yourself to the next level, right? One thing I did um, in preparing for God ordering me to become an assistant principal, principal, director of VI, is I, I knew when I was a teacher, okay, I want to be an AP. So now let me look at AP job descriptions and what are the skills that APs need? And am I being afforded these opportunities to get these skills? And if I'm not, then let me go talk to my administrator. Okay, you know, I'm not a leader. Can I lead a team? Can I lead a committee? Can I be a department chair? I want to start this youth group. I want to start this. Can I look at data? Can I sit in your data meetings? And being an administrator is not your feet up on the table telling people what to do, delegate, delegate, because if that's your administrator, they're ineffective. You're going to be in the classroom more as a building administrator. You need to inspect what you expect. You need to hold your teachers accountable, kids accountable, their parents accountable. Um, and you need to model. I think right now, one of the things that bothers me the most with educators coming out of COVID, we have a lot of administrators who are very irrelevant. If it is 2022 and you still don't know how to turn your camera on on Zoom or mute your mic or put somebody in the breakout room. It's time for you to kind of transition out of education, right? If you can't see the value of bringing a cell phone using QR codes, let your kids make TikTok videos to demonstrate their understanding of a concept that you learn, creating podcasts for your kids, not using worksheets using their lived experiences, learning culturally responsive pedagogical practices and thinking of them as more than just buzzwords, it's time for you to retire. Because see, you're, you're antiquated now and you're irrelevant and you're not helping our kids. 
And so that's where administrators need to go. You have to develop yourself. You shouldn't have a first, your first year teachers may know more technology than you. You need to be in their classrooms and seeing what they're doing after school. Um, hey, Logan, I saw you did this cool thing with the remote. You made your phone a remote control. Show me how to do that so I can use that in one of my faculty meetings, right? You should know Nearpod. You should know Quizlet. You should know Kahoot. You should be able to do everything your teachers are doing. I was the principal and I went into a classroom. If a teacher used a, a program that I had never seen of her, I wrote it down and I got on my computer and I figured it out. If they were creating Bitmojis and I didn't do Bitmojis, uh, Zoe, help mommy get a Bitmoji because they got Bitmojis, right? You have to remain relevant. You cannot, it's no more seniority anymore, right? And I think a lot of administrators are irrelevant in the 21st century. And so as an administrator, stay relevant, stay ahead of the game. Think about what is your next. If you are a principal and you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, principal should not be your end game. It should be central office administration, senior leadership, superintendency, your, your state department of education, starting a consultant business higher education what is your end game and what are the skills that you need to get you to your end game and are you being put in a position to get those opportunities to get those skills right and so those same things apply to an educator if you're in the classroom now and you've outgrown the pond and you're ready to move on what are you actively doing to put yourself in the position to be on that trajectory to something larger, right? Not anything greater because being an educator in the classroom is great. So we don't ever negate what teachers do in the classroom. If you want to teach for your 30 year career, that is amazing. And nothing is being taken away from you. Accolades need to be given to you. But if your desire is to move to impact more, what are you doing? You can't come in at eight, leaving at four with your purse or your book bag, or your wallet and cell phone, and you go home watching P-Valley, you and Chuck Alisa every night, that ain't going to get no gains, and that's not going to move you up, right? It's going to take taking graduate courses, going to conferences, networking with people, adding tools in your toolkit to get you to the next level. And to first-year teachers, number one, this is my advice for you. You better take care of you, right? I love P-Valley. Uncle Clifford ruled 533. Auntie Janine ruled 1913. <laughs> you take care of you, because I'm going to tell you what. My first year teaching, I got into a car accident. My daughter was like two years old. And I'm at the scene of the accident, shaking up. You can hear it in my voice. No, you know what? I'm not even going to tell that story. I'm going to tell a better story. This lady behind me, my mom, 2017, I'm a, I was her only child. My mom lived two miles from me. We taught every day, right? So this one week, crazy week, we were doing end of the, end of the year testing, right? And so it was, I saw my mom on Monday, um, went to her Tuesday, saw my mama Tuesday, went to her house, took some stuff at her house. And Tuesday afternoon, called her, didn't hear from her, like, mm, maybe she's at church or something. 
Wednesday, had a rough day at work. Then one talked to anybody, just wanted to come home, get in the bed, but didn't hear from my mom. Thursday, my daughter and I driving to work. We passed my mom's house every day going to um, the school I taught at, and my daughter went to that school. And we're like, mm, Nana didn't call us today. When was the last time we talked to Nana? It was Tuesday. We got to call Nana. So we calling Nana. She not answering the phone. And she might be asleep, might be in the bathroom, whatever, 7 in the morning. I get to school, and we're doing testing, and I'm sneaking, trying to call my mom. You know you're supposed to do that. My mom's not answering the phone. So I'm like, something is going on. I go to the office, and I'm like, I got to go. I got to go check on my mom. My mom is not answering the phone. I get in my mama's house, and I find my mom dead on her kitchen floor. Right? I left my kids because it was all about my mom. And guess what? Somebody was in my classroom covering my class before I could call 911. Before the court, before the funeral home came to get my mom, right? Someone was in my class. And the next day when my world was over without my mom, somebody was in my classroom. So for new teachers, you take care of you first. Because if you stroke out, you pass out, you depressed, you got anxiety, you start drinking, you start smoking, you get bad habits. You come to school drunk, they get rid of you, you stressed out. That's what somebody's gonna be in that classroom. You're so stressed with work, you can't concentrate, you get in a car accident. Before 911 is called, somebody's covering your class and they moving right on without you. And it took losing my mom for me to learn, ain't nothing coming before my daughter and nothing is coming before my peace of mind. If I have zero days left and you gotta just take that out of my check, take it out of my check, I don't care because nothing is worth my peace of mind. So when you feel overwhelmed, you feel stressed out, take a day. Go do you. Go get a massage. Get your nails done. Get a haircut. Do you. You get paid this month and you want to treat yourself to a night on the beach at a hotel and a fancy dinner. And it literally may be your cell phone bill that month. Hey, maybe that is going to be cut off for a couple of days so you get it done. Not telling you to be a bad steward of your money, but maybe you don't need cable for two or three days. Because you just need you, right? First year teachers, focus on you. That school is going to be there. Those kids, that class. You take care of you. Because if you can't pour into somebody, if your vessel is empty. If your cup is empty, because you're pouring into so many, so many, so many, so many. You have nothing for you. You're dehydrated. Because all your water, all your source is gone and find a mentor so the way you pour into others you need others to pour into you right i know i did not get to where i am had it not been for dr eli bracy had it not been for dr barbara kimsey had it not been for dr christine sunday dr camilla Faraby, paul wilson glenn Starnes, and charlotte i had some amazing mentors in my life who pushed me beyond where I thought I could go, right? Who's still pouring me 
today. I know I didn't get to where I am without others getting me here. And I always give them credit. I give them flowers because I know I didn't get here by myself. And so you need to find mentors. Don't hang in that teacher's lounge. If you're around teachers who complain and this school ain't this, this principal, I can't stand them to teach. Get away from them. They're toxic. Their energy can be contagious. They are like cancer. Amputate them. You don't want to be around people like that. You want to be around people as rough as hard, but I love the kids and I'm grinding for kids and I'm making a difference for kids. You're passionate and I want to fuel your passion and I want you to be greater than me, right? Because I'm going to pour it into you and I want you to take care of you. Those are the circle of people that you need to pour yourself into, right? So that's my advice for first year, current educator and an administrator aspiring to move on and move up. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You really be dropping gems. Like, I think you just wake up and just be like, listen, I'm going to drop a gem here. I'm going to drop a gem here. I'm going to drop a gem here. That might be I that ADHD. It. You know, your brain is always going ADHD. But I, I just it. thank God for experiences, right? Good, bad, and ugly. Even the ugly ones. Um, because the ugly ones make you appreciate your great, pretty day. And it's a quote that I gave my team yesterday. Smooth seas do not create skilled sailors. I thank God for all the turbulence in my life. I thank God for all the times my boat overturned, for all the times my, my ship sank. It literally was about to sink. And I was able to get up and somebody threw me a lifeline or I was able to get onto a raft and get to land, right? Because it made me a skilled sailor because my life has not always been a smooth, calm sea. Absolutely. It's had waves, it's had turbulence, and that's helped me to get to where I am, and I'm grateful for those opportunities. I love it, I love it. All right, this is the last question here, okay? Okay. It's the last question before we get before we get up out of here and um, let you all go and continue with the uh, What's your day? Today. And Dante got something to do. I feel he might have just got a text. <laughs> Don't do uh, that. Don't do that. Listen, if you could change one thing about the education system, what would it be? Now, wait, before you answer, this is globally. This isn't just where you where you're at currently, where you're going to be um, here soon with your next position. What would that one thing be globally that could impact all over the world? What would be that one thing that you would change about the education system? All right. You ready? Yes. And I'm going to keep it to one minute because I'm looking at the timer. All right. It would be to value inclusivity. We do not see the value in everybody that we serve. And I think representation is vital. We need to see children in classrooms need to see people who look like them in front of them. They need to see people who look like them in their textbook, on their assessments, and in everything, posters on the wall, songs that they learn. They need to be represented. And if you live in an area where everyone is homogenized and everyone looks the same, then you have to take the concerted effort to find cultures unlike yours to create global citizens. And I think right now with all the political foolishness, with critical race 
and we don't want white kids to feel um, upset and shameful about slavery. Own it, own it, own it that you have a privilege that you have an invisible knapsack. You can go in places that I cannot go. You can go from here to the store and know your child is coming back. But Dante Logan and my sons, my nephews, they go to the store 30 minutes where you at because I'm hoping you come home. That's our reality, right? And so I think learning about lived experiences, knowing everyone does not have the same playing field. We all are not level. We need to level up like Sierra, right? And we need to bring those cultural inclusive examples and representations into every classroom, whether you have the diversity or not. School systems, you need to recruit diverse workforces. What are you going to do to encourage people who don't look like your student population to want to come into your school so they can see a different narrative, so they can be exposed to something different? The world is not black and white. The world is everything, right? And so I think globally, that's what we need to do. We need to value other cultures. We need to value other languages. We need to value other perspectives. I love it. All right, guys. Y'all heard what she said. That's the one thing that she would change about education, um, as well as she gave her point of view and telling you, like, listen, you need to make sure that you take care of you, right? Your mental health is so important with being um, in the education space and serving our scholars and our children of tomorrow and our babies and all of the positive things that you all say. Um, you want to make sure that you take care of you because your mental health is important. Okay. So also, also real quick, real quick, um, just on the advice that she gave, I think a few people missed some. So we just going to go back. Like we said, this is for educators. It's for people in administration and everything. Um, I really liked it, the one as far as it, with administration remaining relevant and basically adjusting to the time. So the way that be social media, you know, with technology, I think that was very vital. So anybody out there aspiring to be a principal, assistant principal, I think that was very vital. And then I love the, um, also anybody who's trying to get their PhD, she, she said the SREB, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Second okay, all right. Okay, um, out of Atlanta. So anybody who's trying to get a PhD, uh, please go to SREB.org or you can get with Dr. Campbell. Um, she'll have all her uh, information and they're literally giving away PhDs. Um, literally, you can go through the program, special program. Um, she's a part of that. So just keep that in mind as well. And the last one was inspect to expect. I love that quote um, just for all our listeners out there. So make sure y'all tap in with Dr. Campbell as well. Thank you. Dr. Campbell, how can they get in contact with you uh, before we get out of here? So they can reach me. Um, I am on Twitter. Now I'm a look, I'm, I'm with the times, so but let me make sure I'm giving you my right Twitter. Um, and then you can send me an inbox. I think Twitter is gonna be the easiest way. Um, Lauren, I'm on my new phone without it. I think it's JCAM398 is my Twitter. So JCAM398 is my Twitter. Send me a message. Um, you can always email me at janinecampbell1 at gmail.com and I'll share my business. I'm going to have Perry Campbell Consulting Group where I go and I write curriculum for nonprofit. I'm working right now with us, helping us 
in Washington, D.C., coming up with an LGBTQ plus um, curriculum for young teens and young adult men. Um, my heart is with the LGBTQ plus community because I think there are unseen, unheard voice in schools. Um, so I advocate for that group. Um, so you can hit me up, Janine Campbell one at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, jcam398. Shoot me a DM, as the young people say, and then I'll, you know, help you with SRB. I'll help you however I can help you, right? To each one, teach one, reach one. I love it. All right, guys, listen. This is the Class in Session podcast, all right? The Class in Session podcast. And, you know, we created this platform before we get out of here. I just want to say, you know, we created this platform specifically for opportunities like this. All right. You have educators that are working in the field. You have educators that are in the trenches and their voices need to be heard. And this is an opportunity for us to do that and add value as well as make an impact. So, again, guys, make sure you like, subscribe and comment. All right. Hey, and leave a review for us, all right? And again, before we get out of here, listen, I am your host, Logan Taylor, with my partner in crime, my brother, Dante Hampton, and this is the Class and Session Podcast. And in closing, like we always say, why be normal? When you can be extraordinary. When you can be extraordinary. All right, we'll see y'all again next week. All right, peace.